All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about first? Coos deer. Okay. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Uh, we are coming at you live from Sonora, Mexico. I've got my associate, my compadre, Dark Colburn, here with me. Uh, we are driving northbound uh, on our way back to the United States. We have spent four days down here in Mexico scouting. Uh, we've got our coos deer hunts, our fully guided coos deer hunts, uh, going to start here in January. Uh, this year we're going to do January 12th through the 20th and then the 21st through the 29th when our goal is to try and capture as much rutting action as we can. Uh, we have spent a good portion of our time just driving around the ranches and kind of familiarizing ourselves with all the roads, glassing points, and what have you. Uh, but I, I guess I should start and say, good morning, Dar. How you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. How are you? Good. We, um, we've been traveling here this morning, and, and uh, it's been a fun couple of days. For me, it seems like all throughout the fall, even with all the elk hunts and all the different hunts that we have going on, it seems like my mind is always looking forward to and kind of looking past, if you will, to December and January in Sonora, Mexico. Uh, I know you feel the same way. What is it do you think it is about this place that we're driving through right now that's so beautiful with you know all the yellow grass and mesquite and oaks and just the beautiful hills what is it for you that just makes your mind race as well well i think it's the it's the unknown it's the unspoiled i mean we're looking out the windows here we've been on the road since about 4:45 this morning it's about nine o'clock and we got a big oak-covered mountain to our left with a bunch of yellow grass, ocotillo, rolling hills leading up to it, and it's just unspoiled. You, yeah. just, you know, you never know what you're going to find. Well, and I think, um, you know, I've been coming down here since 1999, and you started coming right there pretty close thereafter. Um, it's the unspoiled. It's, you know, not only is it cool to come down and see a lot of bucks, um, a lot of deer, but it's it's you never know what's going to come out of the woodwork, and it seems like every year, you know, a buck or two comes out of the woodwork that you know we dream about, and it just energizes me um, for the next year. I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on how you think the scouting trip went this year um, down here, and and. What, what you'll be looking forward to uh, coming here in another couple weeks in January? Well, I'm excited about these properties we have that we'll be hunting. Um, we'll be hunting them for the first time ourselves this year, and so that's always exciting. A um, lot of good country, a lot of uh, the big ranches and a lot of roads we can get around on, but yet there's still some wild, wild places on them that you know it could be a sanctuary for a big buck or two and just it's awesome country good glassable you know open and thick um, kind of a good mixture of low and high country open and thick um, I think it'll be 
think it'll be good. We saw some nice nice deer this trip, um, so I'm excited to see what what comes out during the rut. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the first property that we're going to be hunting uh, is one of those that has a lot of high country, um, a lot of, you know, um, juniper, a lot of oak, uh, lots of yellow grass, you know, big mesas. uh, And, you know, then it then there is some element of, um, you know, ocotillo and mesquite. And for the, the other ranch we looked at has, has a bunch of the same stuff as well. What country do you prefer to hunt in Sonora as far as is there a typical type terrain or brush or bush or, you know, what do you like and why? Well, I like I like hunting the acatillos, the mesquites, the you know rollers with the canyons, smaller canyons. Um, it's, it, it seems like a lot of good good bucks like the acatillos, and it's it's sometimes easier to hunt because the country's not quite as rough, and it's good glassing. But then again, some of the the higher country stuff. Um, I mean, we saw a big buck up in the in the oaks this trip. So you just, I kind of feel like there's more unknown up there as to what could come rolling off some of those big, thick mountains. Yeah, and, and you know, we try and focus our hunts um, in December and January, with December being the pre-rut hunts and, you know, January being, you know, the, the rut hunts. Um, and you and I have been da- coming down here in December and January for a long time, and we have shot some really, really good bucks in December um, and we've talked about before on the podcast how hunting in December uh, you know if you find a big buck you a lot of times can get that buck killed um, you know whereas in January you know they're running all over the hillsides and they're not standing still and they're a little bit harder to catch up with um, just give your thoughts a little bit on the the differences between hunting in December and January down here. Well, I mean, it, it's the what twenty first yeah. of December. Uh, we still in the last few days we saw bucks that were grouped up. They were still together, so I think it's you know it can be a little bit harder to find find the bucks. But when you do, there'll be several of them, um, and they're not moving around as much. They're they're still. I would say they're a few weeks behind down here from where they are in in the states. Um, so you are, if, you're not talking specifically this year. You're saying no. I'm just in saying general, in general, they're uh-huh. always a couple weeks behind. That's what it, it seems like. So, I think they're still grouped up a little bit. Um, we did see a couple bucks yesterday morning, kind of. I would say lightly sparring, just kind of pushing each other around a little bit, um, but they were still together. So. I think in December, if you do find a buck, you have a very good chance of killing it because they're they're going to be in the same area. They're not going to be moving around much. In terms of seeing a big buck, you know, it's hard to beat the rut. You never know what's going to come out and come wandering through. But, you know, getting them shot can be a whole other story. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. We've killed some great bucks in December, though. Right. You talk about 
a big buck come rolling out. I heard you talk about you never know what's going to come rolling out. What do you mean by that? And is that something you see typically more in January happen? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And when I say rolling out, you know, a typical coos deer range is about a mile when they're not in the rut, and they can, you know, they can be three or four miles from there during the rut. So those bigger bucks, you know, those bucks are out covering country, moving around, looking for hot does. So they're on their feet more, they're moving more, they're in the open more during the rut, so your chances of seeing them are a lot better. We're trying to dodge traffic here. Uh, one of the things about roads here in Mexico, the, even the highways, there's not a lot of shoulders. Not a, not a whole lot of money put in the shoulders on these roads, are there? It's a white-knuckle drive, isn't it? <laughs> Especially with me at the helm. Uh, we found a good buck uh, the first day. And um, we had the whole day coming in when we were looking at the forecast coming in. It was showing rain, and sure enough, you know, it was 90 to 100% rain from the time we crossed the border to the time we got to the ranch, driving, you know, all the way in the rain, pulling the trailer and what have you. Had had uh, just over two inches of rain at the ranch, and uh, the country soaked it up pretty good. Uh, but it's amazing how as dry as it can go from being dusty and, you know, hot and dry to uh you know muddier than anything mm-hmm. uh and then you know two days later it's back to being dry and yeah. dusty again it doesn't take the country long to to dry out we found that buck um we just kind of were spot glassing um driving looking at country you know kind of taking inventory of of the roads and the glassing knobs and you know some people listening might be wow they're you know hunting a new property dar and i Historically, we love hunting new properties. We love to, uh, you know, look at new country. And, you know, we're not afraid to guide on properties that, you know, that we haven't been hunting for five or ten years. Part of the excitement for us loving to hunt is loving to look at that new country, wouldn't you say, Dar? Yeah, definitely. And we're always searching for, for something, you know special better and and trying new spots uh this ranch we looked at what two years ago Mm -hmm. came down and spent a couple days looking around and ended up leasing it and sent some guys there last year and they did really well um and so now we're we're hunting it this year and excited to uh to get to know it yeah for sure so we had stopped a couple times glassing, and it was one of those mornings where so much rain from the day before. It seems like these coos deer, you know, whether it be wind or rain, but, you know, certainly when you have a big rainy day, if you have sun right off the bat, uh, a lot of times those deer will be standing as soon as the sun hits the, the mountains. But we still kind of had fog and kind of some mm-hmm. overhanging seemed like they were a little bit slow on their feet and i don't think we spotted this buck till it was probably close to probably nine o'clock maybe eight thirty nine o'clock uh in the morning and uh we we're glassing you know literally right off the road and i picked up a deer and said dar i got a deer and it turned out to be two bucks and uh it turned out to be a heck of a buck kind of a small framed 
you know, type well, buck. Small, he's 100-inch mainframe. Yeah, I mean, for a buck this big, it was, you know, a, a smaller frame, narrow, you know, 10, 10 inches, 11-inch wide type deer. Uh, but he had all kinds of trash going yeah. all all around the uh, pedicle and all around his bases and his burr. He's got, I think, three or four kind of main eye guards on one side and a two on the other with a little kicker off it. Just a crazy buck. He's got a hook with a dropper off the hook yeah. on the one eye guard. So it's you know it's good neat. when you've got a dropper off the dropper. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see that buck... Uh, if we can find him again, number one, you know, we've had it, we've had trips where we go down and see bucks or see them maybe on a first hunt in, in the case where if we're ever hunting, you know, a, a, a property uh, multiple times where we see the buck and we never see him again. The question I would ask you is this buck obviously was spotted, you know, in December. Um, what's your gut tell you with the terrain, the way that that country was laying, whether that buck will be right there or, you know, will he be, will we find him three miles away somewhere? Well, I think just to paint a picture where he was, there's a, a ridge that, that runs north south roughly and kind of a mesa on top. And the, the western slope of this, this range or ridge would, is pretty yellow grass open. He would be on the east facing slope where it's thick and oaked and uh, a lot thicker vegetation is where he was this trip. It would not surprise me if he popped up on the other side and was chasing does more in the open stuff. So, you know, if you're if you're kind of giving some... Sorry, I'm taking photos with my cell phone and driving with my knee here. Um, if... You were to give someone advice, maybe in the same situation, whether it be in Sonora or be in um, Arizona, if you find a buck scouting before the rut and then you know the rut's coming, you're saying that you might look in a little bit more open country. Um, I think I just saw some turkeys. Um, Focus, Jay. Yeah. It's not turkey season. Just, just derail the whole pro- program here. <laughs> You might see the buck in December on a real thick hillside, but as the rut progresses, would you agree that more does are more in the open country? Therefore, when you're trying to find bucks during the rut, you got to look where the does are, and Correct. they typically are a little bit more in open areas. Not that a doe can't be on the thickest hillside there is, but... Right, but this buck was in the, the thicker stuff and, I should say, the steeper slope. It was a, a steeper side of the mountain i think you know more does are going to be in the more gentle gentle slope of the and the more open side when it's cold especially so i i think that's where he would pull to during the rut right and also i've found during the rut curious your thoughts they do tend to go to a little bit more flatter ground that's not quite so steep and i think that's a breeding issue they would rather breed on flatter ground which kind of makes sense sure any thoughts on that or yeah do you, do i, I you agree. Not agree with that no i do totally agree with that um we've definitely hunted ranches where it seems like one particular area of the ranch it's it's the rut zone or the rut hole as we'd say and for whatever reason that's just you know, bucks come in there 
you know, you might not ever see them outside of the rut, but they show up there during the rut. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because, you know, we've, I don't know how many ranches, but we've probably been to 45 or 50 different ranches down here. And it's always funny how there's always on each ranch, it doesn't matter how big it is. I mean, it could be anywhere from, you know, 3,000 acres to 30,000 acres. It seems like there's a couple of good spots that are consistent rut, you know, like you can go there every day and see different bucks. You can go there every day and see different rutting deer. Um, what is it about that aspect of a rut zone you think is important for a coos deer hunter to kind of focus on? I don't know if it's the, it, it's the gentler country or there's just a lot of does there. The does come in there too or, or what it is about it. But it just seems like every ranch there'll be a hot spot um, where there'll be a pretty good concentration of, of rutting activity and different bucks, like you said, showing up there day after day, in and out. Let's talk about this buck a little bit. And, you know, frame-wise, when I first saw the buck, you said, it's a good one? I said, That's, it's okay. It didn't jump out at me as a big deer. And I think coos deer, because they're so small in size, um, typically a big buck, a big rack on a coos deer typically looks big but we have had bucks that are narrow kind of tight compact frames that still are high scoring big bucks but they don't look as big until you really focus in and see all of what's going on uh talk a little bit about wider frame bucks taller tine bucks you know bucks with mass you know when you're glassing kind of what is your key of, oh, this is a really good buck? What what jumps out at you? Well, like you said, I mean, the the width and the frame, you know, main beam and point length are the two biggest contributors to, to high score. So usually if they're wide and, and high, it's a pretty good buck. Um, this particular buck was kind of, like you said, pretty narrow, pretty tight, and he was also really heavy, which I think hides the length and makes him you know, not look as impressive right off the bat until until you get the spotting scope and really, because with your 15s and your defense, you couldn't see all the stuff going on down below. Right, I was just looking at, looking at frame and, uh, you know, could tell it was, a, you know, a decent buck, but it didn't look anything special. It wasn't until we put the spotting scope on it to realize that, you know, this is a pretty neat buck. I mean, he's got, you know, 25 inches of extra stuff going on that you would probably never see i mean if you were to see that bucket you know a mile or two just panning across i don't even know that you'd get the spotting scope out but it's a good lesson that i need to learn almost every year is that you should if you see bucks it's worth putting the spotting scope on them just to confirm because you can have these small frame bucks that have all kinds of extras or even a main beam or even like lee's buck last year shot a buck with an extra main beam it wasn't until I really started looking at the buck and then saw that, you know, whatever it is, 12 inches of extra main beam there that that can make the difference, you know, in a 100-inch buck and a 112-inch buck. Right, and, and I saw that Lee's buck in the velvet uh, in the summertime, and I didn't even see the extra main beam until I got home and was looking at the video right. on my computer. So 
and and I think that's a good reason why coosdeer hunters need to put a scope on every single buck and just confirm. Uh, but let's bounce back to something you had said before. When you're talking about score, uh, we've gone over it on the podcast before how point length in coosdeer is everything. That That's the biggest contributor to your Boone and Crockett you know, gross score is point length. The second thing is main beam. But when you have, and then mass and spread, spreads last. But when you have a buck that's wide, one of the things you have to keep in mind, if you have a wide buck and it has good beams, typically because that buck is wide, those beams go out. And then if they come back in, in the front, you're going to pick up a lot of inches because of the width of a buck whereas most narrow bucks are going to have shorter main beams yeah i would agree i mean you're gaining you know even an inch or two on each main beam and then an inch or two width i mean that that adds up pretty quick on coos deer yeah and when you're looking at bucks it's hugely important to not only look at the width but get that head-on look if you can or straight from behind and try and judge how far do those beams come around and come back to you know almost touching or coming close together the the more that those beams quote unquote wrap around the more inches you're going to get uh the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line if your beams go out and have a lot of wrap and have a lot of curl you're just picking up inches mm-hmm. inches as you go when you look at a buck you obviously are kind of looking at kind of as, or I'll speak for myself and I'll let you answer, but I'm kind of looking at frame first, but the initial thing I'm looking for is what are his point length? Because you can have a narrow buck with really long tines that's a super high score, but it's hard to have a wide buck with short points. If you guys are looking at short points that are, you know, two, three, four inches, you're going to have a hard time getting that buck up, up in a, you know, big buck category would you agree yeah Doc? i totally agree totally agree so i i mean point length is huge for sure the other thing is extra points are huge you know if the difference between a three by three and a four by four even if his g4s are uh you know say you know three or four inches say they're four inches that's eight inches extra. So it, if you just take what looks like a main mainframe three by three, and you have little G fours that are you know four inches long and they don't really look like much, that it instantly adds eight inches to your score. True. Plus, it pushes your mass measurement back um, farther on the beam, which is going to help your score as well. Right. So normally on a three point frame, uh, which you guys, your you Easterners or Midwesterners are. We're talking about mainframe eight points, what we call a three by three with eye guards on the Boone and Crockett system. In order to get your mass measurement, your fourth mass measurement, uh, you go to the G3 and measure from where the G3 hits the main beam out to the tip of the main beam. And let's say that that distance was uh, six inches. You would take your mass measurement there at the three at the halfway mark at the three inch mark. If it was 8 inches, you would take it at the 4-inch mark. But if you have G4s, typically your fourth mass measurement is going to be uh, a little bit bigger than a, than a mainframe 8 or what we would call a 3x3 three three with eye guards. 
Correct. You want to take one of those dogs home with you? Yeah, there's dogs playing in the road. Yeah. You wouldn't think they'd last long if they're roughhousing in the road. I don't think they do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the meat we just ate. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Non-typical bucks, bucks with extra points, those add up quick. Uh, You know, I like looking at a buck. I like looking at bucks, and if they've got good eye guards, good G2s, good G3s. And when I say good, you know, if you can get that 3-inch on the eye guard, you can get that 8-inch G2. If you see an 8-inch G2, and if you can get those G3s in that, you know, 6, 7, 8 range, you're usually looking at a pretty good buck. Of course, we've talked about spread. In in the percentage game, spread is the least amount that, that goes into your score. But you have to keep in mind, wider bucks typically score better because of what we talked about with the main beams. And typically, if, they, if they're wider and they've got some age to them, those beams end up <clears throat> wrapping around. And you're just picking up inches. Right. For, for as much as they wrap around, you're picking up inches the whole way. And I would, I would say most of the coos deer bucks we shoot are, on average, I would say 12 to 13 inches wide. Would you not agree? Yeah, I mean... We've definitely shot them wider than that, but... It's, it's very rare. When I'm plugging in my numbers, I'm typically plugging in a 12-inch spread. If I look at it and go, it looks wide, I might kick in a 13 or 14 if it looks wide. But 12 right. is my general number. If he looks narrow, sometimes it's, you know, 10 and a half, 11 inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I've seen them under 10 inches. But to get a big buck, you know, you're usually you're looking at, you know, a 12, at least a 12-inch spread. Right. You know. If I had to cookie cutter it, you'd say you want at least a 12-inch spread. Uh, but you you brought up another point. We talked about it on the I talked about it on the podcast with the latest Desert Bighorn Sheep Hunt, where mass hides length, and sp- specifically when you start talking about coos deer, uh, mass definitely hides length. We've seen it time and time again, where a buck that we know is heavy that looks heavy might look short. A uh, perfect example is um, uh, the buck that uh, Dan Boyd shot several years ago in Mexico. Dean and I were Dean Heitzelman and I were watching that buck, and you know we knew he was a good buck. We just couldn't get him, you know, couldn't get him much over 105 inches, mm-hmm. um, and he had so much mass that he made the points look short. Yeah, I would agree. Not short, but they just didn't look as long right, as they right. were, uh, and. You know, you you want to plug in a, a 12 or a 13 number when you're talking per side on mass. Uh, but, you know, we've seen bucks, you know, 16, 17, 18 inches of mass per side, which, you know, you're looking at, you know, four-inch four wrap on, on your four circumferences would be a 16, uh, you know, and you, you start getting, uh, you know, four and a half, uh, you know, that starts pushing you up around that 18-inch. That's heavy. That's a heavy buck. Yeah, that's a heavy buck. Yeah. That's about as heavy as they get. Well, one of my favorite bucks from last year was, I believe Cameron shot it, and it was a, what was it, 108? Seven or 107. Yeah. A typical 3x3, three three. and he was probably, what, 12 inches wide, just, uh, but super heavy. Just, I mean, you held that buck, and he was just heavy. Yeah, I, I mean, forget what his 
measurements I don't, I can't were, but I, I would venture to guess his mass was in the 17 per side range, you know, 34 inches of mass. Just uh, kind of a tight, heavy, perfect 3x3, three three, but just the mass was awesome on it. Yeah, and, and mass is everything uh, for me for look. You get that mass, that, that's usually a sign of an older age buck. Uh, you know, you get some of these pencily uh, bucks. A perfect example that uh, Adam Faz, friend of ours, he shot a great buck in Arizona that looks like a giant buck, but he's he's kind of pencily thin. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of mass, and you know he looks like a like a mid-teens buck, but then you add in the mass, and I think he's like a 109-inch buck. Phenomenal buck. Not taking it away, just trying to use it as an example of. When you've got those skinnier mass, one skinnier mass makes points look longer. Mm-hmm. The, the flip side of if it's heavy, it looks shorter. When it's when it's thinner, they look longer. So you, you've got to watch that you you know check that mass and kind of look at your body size and trying to determine is this a mature deer. And Adam's deer was actually a real mature deer. He just didn't have any mass mm-hmm. for a buck of that size. Right, um, but. You know, when you get a buck with mass and with length, uh, you know, point length and, and heavy beams, you're starting to, you know, get up into a really, really nice buck. We we switched and went over to the other ranch, spent a couple days at the other ranch. And one of the things I like about it um, is it's got quite a bit of that, uh, you know, Ocotillo mesquite kind of haired over look um that both you and i really like and we've hunted a bunch of ranches that's had some of that uh but i don't know that we hunted one that has as much as this now these are mountain ranches not desert ranches right. we've hunted desert ranches that have quite a bit of it but it's a little bit different type would you agree mm-hmm. yeah th- this ranch is a mountain ranch and it does have the ocotillos and the rollers, but it's a lot more haired over than a purely desert flats ranch with ocotillos. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, we've got obviously our hunts coming up here in January. Uh, but next year we're actually going to be uh, doing, we already do some do-it-yourself hunts. Uh, we've got guys down in Mexico right now hunting and other guys in January, but we're also going to be doing, uh, you're going to be doing some hosted trips, uh, semi-guided, where you're going to be going down uh, with a group uh, to Mexico. And it's going to be, you know, semi-guided where you will be with the group of, say, four, five, six guys. Uh, you'll be glassing for the entire group, trying to, you know, find big bucks. Uh, you'll be helping them kill those bucks, you know, skin those bucks, cape those bucks. Uh, you know, you'll be providing the food. Uh, but, you know, guys can bring their own rangers. Guys can bring their own trucks. But you'll be there from the start to finish. So you'll basically cross them. You'll go through all of the steps to, uh, you know, get their uh, firearms across, go through the military checkpoints escort them to the ranch and you'll be in essence a camp boss so to speak you'll Mm -hmm. be a host you'll be um you know a situation where normally you and i would both be there both of us guiding you'll be the one guiding and and 
you know, you'll help one guy kill a buck and then you and that guy will then continue to help everybody until the camp is uh, full. Um, and, and you're going to, we already have some established dates for that. Tell me how you think that's going to go and, and, um, are you looking forward to it? I am. I mean, I think the benefit is it's, it's, it's a notch above a do it yourself where, you know, a lot of the do it yourselfers are, they don't know how to cross and, and this and that. So they want someone with them to and from the ranch and, you know, handling the paperwork and that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a, a different service, just another level of, of service. And, um, this trip is a perfect example. You go down in December and we saw some really nice bucks and we could've very easily could have shot them. Yeah. So I, you know, December can be a good time. Um, you know, you could shoot just as big a buck in December as you can in January. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're one of those guys that really likes to glass and you really like to dig bucks out and you really like to, you know, work at it and, 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 you know, glass all day and really enjoy cooster hunting. I mean, December can be a phenomenal time. Like we talked about earlier in the fact that, you know, bucks are usually together bucks are, you know, you can throw a blanket over them. Usually they don't go more than about a hundred yards, maybe a couple hundred yards. Uh, and they're always kind of in that circle. And, so you spot a buck on day one and you kind of say, well, you know, I'm going to keep looking. It's a possibility on day four, you can go right back there and glass in that same shady basin. And, you know, that buck plus his buddies are all going to be right there. Um, the other thing is when they're traveling with other bucks and, and, you know, you have an identifier, oh, that's a two by three. And, you know, he's, he's a, you know, great gray bodied or he's a tan bodied or something distinguished or he's got a splitter or something and you go back there and you're like well i've got his buddy he's, he's probably, probably right far there away. and yeah. usually they're you know within 15 20 yards right with the same group uh and i think that's going to be a great hunt for some guys that uh maybe don't want to pay the price for the fully guided version of the hunt uh but still get you uh who's an incredibly talented acoustic hunter someone that you know they can learn from and someone that they could have a lot of fun with uh and it will up their chances of success of harvesting a nice buck uh a lot and it still gives them the option to have some diy qualities of you know having their own uh four-wheeler or having their own uh you know side by side or what have you and um, being able to you know do some prospecting on their on their own but have the ability to have you you know, glassing for the whole group with the, you know, trying to get everybody good bucks. And and I think that's something that needs to be talked about because one of the fun things about hunting down here in Mexico is hunting completely private land. And it's really fun when you're hunting with a group of people and you have a common goal of trying to, you know, okay, I shot my buck. Now I'm going to become a glasser and, and I'm going to try and find, you know, everybody. Everybody's working together. Yeah. Everybody's working together and trying to you know, get, get all, everybody in the group, a nice buck. Um, and, and it's always nice if you're the last couple of guys, you know, and you haven't filled and, you know, the other three guys, four guys are all helping you. Um, it's a great position to be in. Yeah, definitely. And, and I would say too, you're getting, you know, potentially first crack at these, these deer where we might go back during the rut and hunt, but 
you know, you you could have first chance at uh, at being first on the ranch potentially that year. Yeah, and and you know, back to the bucks, you know, you go back and uh, you know, the predictability of a buck whereas you go in the rut, what I've found is is typically in the rut, if you find a big buck, you don't really have the luxury of you know, letting that buck go because more than likely that buck's going to be in a different county. And, and it, it's pretty common not to see bucks that are rutting in the same spot very often. They're kind of checking different doe groups and really moving around. Uh, and, and I think that speaks for when you're glassing rutting bucks, it's good to have big vantages where you can cover lots of country. Whereas when you're hunting December bucks, Big vantages are great, but then once you figure out where the bucks are, you want to hone your vantage down and kind of concentrate on either that vegetation type or the slope or what have you. Right. I would agree. And I, another thing I would, would say is that if you're, if you're hot, hunting a ranch that has a higher deer density, you know, those bucks probably aren't going to move around as much potentially because there's more does in a, a smaller area. Um, Whereas, like, last year, one of the places we hunted, we found a particular spot on the ranch that seemed like there was some does in there, and it was kind of like we talked about a rut hole, and we shot a couple bucks out of there, and a couple days later, there was other bucks, totally different bucks in there. So, you know, those bucks were obviously coming from somewhere else, so they were probably moving around more in that country when it's lower density. Let's talk a little bit about hunting in Mexico um, we talk about mountain ranches. We talk about desert ranches. You know, we've said it before, uh, the differences between the two. I would ask you, what what is your preference to hunt and why? I like I like the mountain ranches just because the, the scenery, the, the terrain. Um, I don't think they, they produce the consistently the biggest bucks every year. Um but you always hear of several big ones from from mountain ranches. The desert, I mean, we've we've been down there. We've hunted it. I think uh, when you shot your big giant 130s buck down there, we went. If I remember right, we hunted seven days together, splitting up, going different spots on the ranch, and I think we saw five or six bucks in a week of hunting. Where you know you'll see that typically on these ranches in morning a morning so yeah. it's it's a lot more a lot more action a lot more glassing um so i i enjoy that part of it the, the glassing and the a little bit rougher country the big looks um high vantage points that sort of thing and and seeing deer it's fun fun seeing deer seeing them rut um so that that's my my take on it yeah and i think too on mountain r- ranches or excuse me on desert ranches Sometimes you can see that big buck out there at two or three miles out in those flats, but they're very, very difficult to kill, which is one reason why sometimes they can get pretty big. But you've got low densities. They're hard to kill because you have nothing to get up on to shoot in sniper position, you know, sniper style, where you're going to be shooting across a canyon or off a knob and be able to connect with the buck that's out in the flats. A lot of times those big coos deer you see that come out of down by Hermosillo, a lot of those bucks are shot right off of a high rack or water or water when they're driving around looking for big mule deer and just happen to catch a buck that's 
you know, within range of the vehicle up on top of the high rack, or you're sitting water, and I'm not knocking either method of hunting at all. I just prefer hunting the mountains. I, I prefer being up on tall points, glassing across canyons, being able to then figure out how we're going to get from point A to point B to get in position to shoot that buck. And, you know, we have access to hunt desert and mountain ranches, but it seems we're always drawn to hunting mountain ranches. Right. I, I would totally agree with everything you said. And the the density part of it is something that I thought I would talk about is it seems as though we've hunted ranches down here in Mexico where you literally see, you know, 25, 30, 40 bucks in a day. Just, I mean, bucks and deer all over. It's been my experience that, you know, the 100-inch plusers don't come off of those ranches. You get a lot of you know, 80, 90 inch type bucks, 95 inch bucks, but maybe a hundred inches is the best buck. You got to look through a lot of bucks, weed through them to find a hundred incher. Yeah. And it's super, super fun. If, if you're, you know, used to hunting in Arizona and, and maybe don't have the success and, you know, that, that, that you want and don't get to see a lot of deer, that's phenomenal. But when you get to a point where, you know, you like seeing those bigger bucks and, you know, you're willing to, to look at half or a quarter as many bucks. Um, it seems as though the ranches that, you know, you see, say, three to six, seven bucks a day. For whatever reason, it seems like those kind of ranches typically produce in the mountains. Those those little bit lower, medium kind of density ranches produce bigger bucks. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But not they're not quite as low a density as you would have, you know, down in the low, low desert. Right. Well, guys, uh, I hope you got some value out of this podcast. I know Dara and I are excited for our January hunts. Um, we are going to be posting uh, a bunch of pictures on our Instagram pages. Uh, you can check out uh, Dar's page at Dar Colburn. That's D A R R. Colburn. You can also check the show notes uh, for the link. Uh, you can go on our website if you want more information about our hunts, Colburn and Scott Outfitters.com. Uh, you know, it seems like with social media these days, Dar, uh, you know, the most instant uh, information and most instant access to us is sending us a DM through Instagram. It's just so easy for people to mess- message us and or get on their phones and look at photos and kind of see what we're all about and um or if you just want to know where jay is this week just go on his instagram (laughs) if he's fishing or hunting or whatever he's doing i said that's a a little bit of a dig i sense there (laughs) where in the world is jay scott Uh, (laughs) uh you can follow my instagram at jay scott outdoors you can send me an email uh, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com as always we appreciate your support uh, both on our podcast and on the instagram pages and if you want to have any information about upcoming hunts for any animals including coos deer goulds turkey or what whatever it might be uh, just send us a message and uh, we'll get back to you and we really appreciate your loyal support uh, and the sponsor support, uh, Go Hunt Insider, Kuyu, Phone Scope, and the Outdoorsman's. 
So, guys, take care. Adios. Uh, we're going to be crossing. Uh, we're getting close to the border here. And um, uh, we're just looking forward to turning around and coming back here in January.